0: Here we go.
1: Brothers, sisters, siblings, welcome to Penn's Sunday School starring Penn Gillette. My name is Michael Godot. Penn, Matt, Ready Rich, and I are broadcasting from our separate homes in Las Vegas. This week, Ready Rich has learned some valuable dry ice lesson. We'll talk about Penn's dad's autograph collection. I believe Mr. King is planning on inviting Mr. Gillette to a backyard official, fully vaccinated, vegan snack, opulent croquet match. Here he is, preaching love, Mr. Penn Gillette.
0: Woohoo! Yeah, preaching love, having a good, 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 good time. So, Ready Rich, we know that uh, for those of you who don't know, um, if you want to taste the greatest gelato in the world, go to sideshowgelato.com, go to the Kickstarter, drop some jingle, and get great, great gelato uh, flavors created by, with, Created with, I guess, all of us Yeah, by uh, Jay Bliznick, And um, you will thank us. I guarantee you will thank us Mm -hmm. if you join this Kickstarter and help them out. And you will also have delivered to you dry ice (laughs) because it comes in a nice package with all dry ice. And what did you do with your dry ice, uh, Reddy?
2: I played with half of it, and then I threw the other half in the freezer so that I could play with it later. Uh, how did that go? This is my first experience with freezing dry ice. (laughs) Apparently, you cannot put your dry ice in a residential freezer because it's not cold enough, right?
1: Not cold enough. Right. Yeah, it's really cold.
0: I didn't know that. (laughs) I did know that, but I didn't know what would happen. What happens? It melts slowly?
2: The catch here is that I'd put it in a baggie. And it's a good baggie, apparently. Oh, I see. Yeah. Because it captured all the melted dry ice, and it has expanded to the point where I can no longer get it out of the freezer.
0: (laughs) You mean it's too big? Yeah. (laughs) You have a bag of CO2 in your freezer that you can't get out because it's too big?
2: It went in flat, and I put it in the ice maker, which I don't normally use, which has just a thin slot in it. And now it has expanded to fill the ice maker. So I think I'm going to have to break out the dart gun. You can't reach in and puncture it? Yeah, but I'd planned on having fun with it, so I might as well, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> what other fun did you have before that? We talked
2: about it in the last episode, so I was going to serve it up for this episode. I thought it'd be a nice opener if I was there. With-
1: <laughs> so you went to, you, you? just discovered this?
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dry ice is uh, negative 110, I think. 112, 110, 110.
2: (laughs) You were gone for an extra long time, so I thought it'd be cool if you came back and I was uplit with a red light with dry ice effect around me. (laughs) Instead, I just have a fucking baggie.
1: (laughs) That's right. So if you order dry ice gelato, the dry ice party has to happen right away when it arrives.
2: <laughs> it's helpful to know that you can find out which of your metal dishes will sing.
3: <laughs>
2: Talk about that. Because the dry ice on metal makes, makes noise. Okay. And it's different per dish, so you can set up a little song if you'd like.
3: <laughs> How's no one done that
0: act?
1: It's hard to find dry ice everywhere. <laughs> yeah. You'd be in a taxi every gig going to stores. You
2: can
0: find dry ice everywhere, can't you?
1: Yeah, pretty much. But, you know.
2: I guess the real trick there is finding a song that everybody knows composed entirely of whole notes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could clip little pieces off of your metal plate. That would be a fun, a fun game, trying to get the notes, you know, snipping little bits off of the plates.
0: <laughs> now, just so you know, I think both... Godot and Reddy, find that a fun game. Matt, are you with me on not fun at all? <laughs> none. <laughs> none. None, none, none. <laughs>
1: I've done this on a few, on a few variants. Not, uh, not on dry ice, but um, cutting things to try to get the right note out of them.
3: I will tell you that I accidentally grabbed dry ice, and that was the end of all of my fun with dry ice.
0: <laughs> it's cold, isn't it?
3: Like it- Burned to the point of burning, like it, like, burnt my thumb. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Was this also
0: today? No, no, no. No.
3: <laughs> no. But it was thanks to Jay from Sideshow Gelato. <laughs> <laughs> it was my fault. I thought something was in the bag, not just dry ice. So I opened the bag to go inside and Ugh. I was like, oh, that's just dry ice. And now my thumb burns. <laughs> Get off me. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Very nice.
0: My, uh, father, before he was a numismatist, was an autograph collector. From 1936 to about 1941, my dad was very poor. My mom and dad were poor. And, um, my dad always liked hobbies and collecting. So he found that a hobby and collecting he could do in his price range. He wanted to be a numismatist, but of course, too expensive. Um... So he, uh, he wrote away for autographs from famous people. Wow. Wow. And, uh, said that he was a tenor because he sang, he was, he was a serious tenor and sang at weddings and so on. And, uh, he would get, uh, letters back with pictures, autograph pictures. And he had five, six, um, fat scrapbooks, um, volumes of his autographs wow now he stopped collecting autographs in 1940 i was born in 1955 and from 1955 until he died in 2000 he tried to get me to give a fuck about his autograph collection (laughs) even the slightest interest uh and then he died and then uh we uh, let our house be used by a woman who still lives there. I still own the house that my mom and dad built with their own hands. But this uh, wonderful woman lives there. And she sent me, she has been sending me over the past 20 years, things from the house. So about five years ago, she sent me my dad's autograph books and it took me five years. But I finally got interested. And I opened them up with my mother-in-law, my wife, Glenn. We started looking at them. Now, my dad, uh, the apples and sometimes fall pretty far from the tree. <laughs> my dad was a very careful man. And each page, he does not use tape or corners. He cut with a razor blade little flaps to put in the letters and the pictures and the autographs. They're all perfectly done. And then he wrote in his very small, clear hand what he had. Now, we have gone carefully through three of these volumes. Wow. And we have gotten um, a lot of cartoonists, and they drew him special cartoons, like pictures of him. Wow. And signed them. We're going through this like there's Benny Goodman, Ed Wynn, Lowell Thomas, Paul Robeson, Bob Burns, Texas Schneiders, Texas Hillbillies, Thornton Wilder, wow. Fred Astaire, wow. Maxville Parrish, wow. the special cartoon, great. Noel, Noel Coward with a letter, <sighs> London Fontaine, Edgar Bergen, <laughs> Deanne Durbin, Mary Pickford, wow. John Gilgood, wow. Enzio Pinsa, Jack Oakey. Now, we also saw this very, very attractive pair of really good-looking actors. And they were Tim and Irene Ryan. Mm -hmm. You recognize those names? Tim and Irene? I do not. Ryan. Do you ready? I don't. Throw out the Tim. Young woman, 1936. Very, very attractive. Very cute. Showbiz professional, Irene Ryan.
2: Is this, um, I'm just going to take a stab, uh, Lucille Ball's original name?
0: Nope. 1936. Young and attractive. Star. Irene Ryan, also known as Granny on the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, (laughs) Oh, nice. Boy, it gives you a sense of time, doesn't it? Yeah. Just go there and go, Irene Ryan, I recognize that name. Wait a minute. That's Granny from the Beverly Hillbillies.
1: She had a long and successful
4: career.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I left out all the tenors, sopranos, composers, piano players. Now we're into the next volume. Uh, Jeanette McDonald. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's one. I couldn't believe this one. Alan L. Hart. A long personal letter. From Alan L. Hart, the first trans man in America.
4: Wow. Wow.
0: Uh, Alan L. Hart was born a cis woman, was a doctor and a novelist, and got a hysterectomy and got some other surgery in the 30s to live the rest of his life as a man. Incredible. Alan L. Hart. I thought, you know, somebody must be interested in the history of uh, trans people in America. Alan L. Hart wrote to my dad.
1: Fantastic.
0: My dad wrote for an autograph picture and Alan L. Hart writes back, oh, you don't want a picture of me. I'm just a middle-aged guy with gray hair who smokes a lot. <laughs> He says just an average middle aged guy, is what he says.
3: Oh, that's great.
0: Kitty Carlisle. Of course. Ozzy Nelson. <laughs> Midge Williams. Jack Earl, world's tallest man. Mm-hmm. Major Might, world's shortest man. Dale Carnegie. Wow. A real surprise Phil Baker, who is a comedian and accordionist. My dad hated accordionists. <laughs> uh, Helen Hayes. Mm-hmm. Phil Harris, Fanny Bryce, Sammy Kay, Jack Haley, everybody the Wizard of Oz is there. J. Edgar Hoover, (laughs) Fred Allen, T.O. Beechcroft, Lloyd Douglas. Next volume. Irving Berlin. Tommy Dorsey. Good lord. Your dad is good at this. Artie Shaw, (laughs) Sophie Tucker. Gene Krupa, Bob Hope, Chick Young, who drew Dagwood. Yeah. Special cartoon for my dad. Fibra McGee and Molly. (laughs) Father Flanagan, a rather long letter from Orson Welles. (laughs) Jesus. Jimmy Durante, Boris Karloff, Rosita Royce, and her performing doves. Wow. She was a stripper. Who had trained doves and she'd come out naked with a dove perched on each tit <laughs> and a dove perched over her pussy. <laughs> she performed at the 1937 World's Fair. Her doves were well trained enough that was family entertainment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You'd need geese to get away with that now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Another long letter from Emily Post. Wow. Very polite letter. <laughs> and Sher- very polite, very proper. And Sheridan, Dick Stabille. I mean, and we're only halfway through. That's so great. Wow. Is there
2: a sample of the letters that he wrote outgoing?
0: Yes. There's also Walt Disney. What? Henry Ford. Wow. wow. Said, like I
1: said, your dad was, he was good at this. This was not some casual hobby. This was serious.
0: All the Supreme Court justices from the time. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, my father, as strong and hardworking a man as he was, could not convince his bullshit jive-ass son to <laughs> give a flying fuck about this. So 20 years after he was dead. <laughs> I suggest you killed him at this point. <laughs> so my chances of getting my jive-ass son to give a fuck, zero. Right. Yeah. So I talked to Jeff Gold, who runs a company called Record Mecca. who mm-hmm. is an expert on rock and roll memorabilia. And he said that this was actually a little bit valuable. Yeah. I think
1: you should do a Sam Gillette Museum.
0: <laughs> well, he thinks I should sell the whole Sam Gillette collection, but I'm thinking of pulling a few. If you guys had a guess which ones I was going to pull, which one would pop to your mind?
3: The stripper with the bird act.
0: <laughs> Absolutely correct. It's <laughs> a no brainer. That is a no brainer. That is a. But I think I might also pull uh, Jack Earl, the tallest man. Yeah. I might also pull Chick Young. It's a drawing by the yeah. Dagwood guy of my dad. Rube Goldberg.
3: Maxfield Parish, though.
0: Rube Goldberg drew a picture of my dad.
3: Oh, that's awesome.
1: Wow. Is, is, is the Maxfield Parish have a drawing?
3: Yeah. Wow. And I might pull Jimmy Durante, too. Jimmy Durante was my second guess.
0: Yeah. I might pull two or three. No Walt Kelly yet? The pogo? Not yet. No, but it will show up, I bet. Yeah. But... um I've been told, and this seems impossible to me. I've been told that it's actually worth more because it's my father. (laughs) I can see that
1: until you take out the one with the bird lady in it, (laughs) because that suggests a direct line to you.
3: Well, honestly, like you know, there's a line to you, and also you you've spoken of him often on this podcast. So there's certainly like a document of his. Existence to people that people understand who your dad
0: is. And so I think. And these are all to Herbert Gillette, all of them. My dad's name was Samuel Herbert Gillette. And because his dad was also Samuel, oh. he was called uh, Herbert. And then during the war, he got a job guarding uh, a mill that was important for defense secrets, and to get his pass, he was not allowed to use an alias. Oh, fascinating. So the government told him he couldn't be Herbert, even to his friends. What? Oh. I mean, the guys at work couldn't call him Herbert. But his first day on the job, he introduced himself as Sam, and then he became Sam from that day on. Wow. So very, very rarely, I would meet a really old friend of my dad's and he would call him Herb. Uh,
3: yeah. Oh, that's really nice. And that is it, that, just that story is worth is, is it would increase the value of the, all the dear Herberts.
0: How many more volumes exist? You, you said you went through three? I went through uh, three. There are two more, and then one that's missing. Volume one, I can't find. Wow. A mystery. So Chris is looking at the house again. But it's really a weird feeling. What's great about it is the time you go, who's that asshole? Right. You know? Yeah. There's a guy with his hat cocked to one side and a big smile (laughs) and says, to Herbert, my big fan, you know, Mm -hmm. Joe Belosky. Yeah. And he's there with his hair done and his makeup and he's he's selling it.
3: (laughs) Now, can you read the names? You just don't know who that person is.
0: You can read the names. But a couple of them, even a search on Google gives you nothing. Wow. <laughs> gone. I
1: thought Variety Arts was bulletproof, didn't you, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> nope. Ten <Tenure>, years. Uh, gone.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. As someone who regularly sizes up, whether someone will or won't recognize the name Ruby Keeler, I'm pretty aware of how, how fame works. So I don't have my hopes up too high.
0: And I think the name is... Uh, The name that I did recognize, and Glenn was disgusted with me for not recognizing, was uh, a name I hope you all recognize. Let me see if I can make sure I got it right. Yes. Marion Anderson. You recognize the name Marion Anderson? No. No. Okay. Marion Anderson is actually getting a lot of traction now. She wrote a personal note to my dad that talks about how glad she is, how supportive he is of her, and how she's a hero of his. Marian Anderson performed a wide range of music, from opera to spirituals. Anderson was an important figure in the struggle for African-American artists to overcome racial prejudice in the United States during the mid-20th century. In 1939, right when my dad got the autograph, during the era of racial segregation, the Daughters of the American Revolution refused to allow Anderson to sing to an integrated audience in Constitution Hall in Washington DC. The incident placed Anderson in the spotlight of the international community on a level unusual for a classical musician. With the aid of First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and her husband, Franklin D. Roosevelt, Anderson performed a critically acclaimed open air concert on Eastern Sunday, April 9, 1939, on the Lincoln Memorial steps in the Capitol, she sang before an integrated—I'm going to cry—an integrated crowd of more than seventy-five thousand people and a radio audience in the millions. Wow. She was the first African American to perform in the Metropolitan Opera. She was a delegate to the United Nations Human Rights Committee and goodwill ambassador to the Department of State, giving concerts around the world. She participated and the Civil Rights Movement in the 60s, singing at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963, Presidential Medal of Freedom, Congressional Gold Medal, Kennedy Center Honors, National Medal of the Arts, Lifetime Grammy Achievement. Wow. I just got a little choked up. You know
1: what's great about this is that it shows off your dad as not only a, you know, an astute collector, but as a good guy. Yeah. You know, getting the signature of the first trans Man, and this, uh, this
0: black singer. These are amazing things. Yeah, he has, you know, Paul Robeson. There are a lot of African Americans who my dad just wrote a letter to going essentially right on. Right. You know, oh, wow. I heard you on the radio. I was very, very moved, you know. Beautiful. So he wrote this. He got the letter back from her. And the fact that she wrote a letter back yeah, class act. I mean, I guess that means she wasn't giving thousands and thousands of letters. Maybe she was. Just being a good person. Did you understand your father to be this open-minded when you were a kid? Uh, yes, I did. Because my father um, would not. Uh, I believe there were a couple of incidents where friends of his were asked to leave the house because of a racist joke. Wow. Oh, wow. Nice. And... Uh, my dad did not do well with uh, anti-gay sentiment in the house either. Uh, when the first congregational church wanted to get rid of the minister right. because she was, uh, she was a lesbian, yeah. my dad, uh, as my mom would say, had a fit and fell in it. <laughs> okay. I mean, my dad, who was a lifetime Christian and died a Christian, quit the church over that
3: yeah it's impressive
0: and there were a couple of guys who had this is late my dad's life had a company selling bread in greenfield massachusetts and my dad would say you know not using the proper terminology you know my friends say these guys are a little funny and uh they live together and they don't want to buy bread from them well i go in there and they're nice guys, they make good bread, and I don't give a damn how they live or what they do. Which, for a man in his 80s, that's about as woke as you're going to get, maybe. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what, it's, that's what it sure feels like. You know, not using the proper terminology certainly was not. A couple of funny guys is not what you want to say. Right. There are worse, there are worse words to use in that sentence.
3: So <laughs> yes, they are.
1: I wish they would use them about us, Matt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would like to be called that.
1: A couple of funny guys.
0: <laughs> and my uh my dad also, when he was in Boston, worked at a Jewish camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worked in the kitchen. And he would talk all the time about how if the kosher rules were not followed perfectly and like milk was in a pan with the meat, my dad would say You know, they could throw that out, but they didn't. They found a needy Christian family who needed it and had me take it over to them. Wow. And so you really couldn't get away with anything racial, anything religious oriented, or anything sexually oriented in my house. My dad's best friend growing up was African American. And my dad said, any sort of slur, I got in a fight. till so I realized he wasn't going to get in a fight, and then I walked away along with him. <laughs> 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 so, you know, the ping pong ball bounced around that my dad, good friend who was African-American, worked at a Jewish camp. And I, even saying the phrase Jewish camp, Makes me nauseated. Right. I mean, a, a summer camp. Right. You know. Yeah. And had contact with uh, gay men and women that he got along with and liked. So, for a man born in uh, 1911 in the United States of America, my dad did okay.
3: Clearly,
1: beautiful. It's really nice.
0: You know, I mean, did he do enough? Did he do enough? No. No one did. Sure, you know. But what are the odds that Volume One has
3: like Justin Bieber and like you find out he was just like a time traveler that like Volume One would expose that? That's he why could, it's hidden. That's why it's hidden. Is that it would just show that he could?
2: It's not hidden. It doesn't exist yet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber's autograph at seventy years old. <laughs>
1: When he became a Supreme Court Justice.
0: <laughs> and there's one nice letter that says, You do not want an autographed picture of a Supreme Court Justice. You just want an autograph. Believe me. <laughs> and then there's one uh, radio comedian who writes, I'm very sorry, Herbert. But I do not give out my autograph. Sincerely and so.: <laughs> That's I'm good. Totally bit.
3: doing that. Yeah, I'm doing that from now on. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that bit stolen, Mister Radio Star.
0: And think about my dad with this fucking bullshit hippie jive ass son trying to say these. There's really interesting people in these autograph books. <laughs> we should look through it together sometime. Yeah yeah sure dad <laughs> oh, man. cut cut to uh 40 years from now with Zoltan
3: talking about Sunra on a podcast <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> from space <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah
0: <laughs> so uh I guess I'm going to because I don't want to leave my children with the <laughs> issue of how much does this mean to my dad that it meant a lot to his dad yeah 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 so I will sell them to someone that no cares about them.
3: No, oh, oh, this is interesting. Like, uh, uh, does it work? How how many generations does it work? Are your kids remotely interested in your dad's autograph collection? That's that would be the big leap.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> was that the discussion you had between shows with Zoltan?
0: <laughs> I I think they could not care, could not care less. And my two count them two, Beetle Butcher covers. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Nothing. Now you see the Beatles put out this cover of them as butchers, and the record company didn't like it, so they pasted them over, and there are only like hundreds of them. And I've got two of them. Okay, I can look it up online, see the picture. Yes, you can.
1: <laughs> it's an NFT. <laughs> You should, you should, you should probably sell them while they're still f.
0: <laughs> you know, I should, I should do an NFT of my Beetle Butcher cover and
3: stuff. <laughs> you really should both of them, <laughs>
1: both of them in one.
3: That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> are wow. they curious? I, my kids are curious about who my grandparents are and what they're like and stuff like that. Are they curious about like their personalities and
0: stuff? Mox. Talks about it a little bit. Yeah. You know. They just have no idea what a soft touch my dad was. Yeah. You know, my sister was not allowed any limits on her on her children. Yeah. You know. They would come over the house and my dad would say, No, no, they're gonna do anything they want. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> my wife talking about her grandmother Ruby Keeler, always it's like what was it like she goes honestly as a kid I just thought every grandkid had to sit down on the holidays and watch movies with their grandparents in it <laughs> and she just had to watch those movies but now she values them tremendously or whatever yeah and my kid yeah my kid playing piano at my mother-in-law's house he's like how come this only has 66 keys and I'm trying to tell him like because that's your great-grandmother's piano and that was considered a portable piano for a vaudeville team. <laughs> Moving that machine on wheels was considered a portable piano. <laughs> that's crazy. Do you get how crazy that is?
0: <laughs> 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 oh. Well I'll tell you one thing, it's not the high end that's missing. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep.
1: And to think we complained about those first portable computers, huh? (laughs) Oh, I know. Yeah.
0: Well, Red, did you know Tim Jennison has the uh, Weyersdorfer, Bosendorfer with the extra octave at the bottom?
1: Oh, nice.
0: I'm familiar. How many keys is that? Isn't it 96? Yeah, 96.
2: It's like three-quarter octave? Yeah.
0: Bosendorfer has a 96 key yeah oh my God., I'll, I'll look at that and I'll tell you those extra few keys extra eight keys yeah, lot of space <laughs> lot of weight
1: <laughs> and very clean because they're rarely touched
0: <laughs>
2: 97.
3: 97. Wow, that's rare <laughs> I guess the eighth key would just be so out of, out of like it's got be out of our ear range, right yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can feel it. <laughs> you feel it. <laughs> hey ready? Yes. You've been watching any master classes? I have. We're gonna talk about that because we're gonna talk about Masterclass, who's been supporting us very much on this podcast. Masterclass is such a good way to learn from real experts. And having said real experts, the best in the world, the people at the top of their field, no better ever. We of course are featured in master class with our class on magic. And you can learn I gotta tell you, the job they did on taking the information we wanted to bring across to people and putting it in terms people could understand was really amazing. Uh, the classes are wonderful. I did one as an astronaut. No. I did one <laughs> about an astronaut. Because I'm not an astronaut. I couldn't do it as an astronaut. I did the basketball once, make sure it's really good. And you can learn a lot. In ten minutes, I highly recommend to check it out. Get unlimited access to every masterclass, not just, not just Ben and Teller's um, magic one, but every masterclass. And as a Penn Sunday School listener, you get fifteen percent off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com/penn. That's masterclass.com/penn for fifteen percent off masterclass. What have you been doing there? Ready, Nancy Cartwright. Oh, oh,
3: the
2: Simpsons.
0: Voice of Bart Simpson, yes. Wow. What does she teach? She teaches voiceover work. <laughs> and is it great?
2: It's pretty awesome. My favorite thing about it is a, an extended chapter on how to get work.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. Really
1: nice. Wow. I'm going to have to watch that one. Yeah.
0: Well, there's, there's, uh, there's good work for voiceover. You learn how to write a book or a screenplay or just a letter. Learn how to communicate with your boss or your family. Make dinner worthy of a Michelin star. Make really good scrambled eggs. Whatever you're interested in. It's cinema quality classes. Give you unparalleled access to a renowned master. Lessons range from specifically showing you how to execute a technique from a master's insight about craft, can be translated across many fields and disciplines. Explore lessons in any order you'd like across your phone, tablet, Apple TV, and computer. Lessons of approximately 10 to 15 minutes in length and easily into your everyday life. In addition to video lessons, master classes, give you uh, downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials. Cooking class, you get recipes, all stuff like that. So check it out. Go to masterclass.com slash pen. That's masterclass.com slash pen for 50% off your membership.
1: You know, they, they talk about them being uh, a 10-minute lesson. And, and I just want to mention that that's, each course is is, is long. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you, you think, well, I guess a 10-minute lesson, I'm going to only get 10 minutes of Steve Martin teaching me how to write comedy. No, it's not. It's hours of Steve Martin teaching you how to do comedy broken down into 10-minute sections.
0: That's important to point out. Oh, they tell you about stuff being broken down. With HelloFresh, yeah. you get fresh, pre-measured, pre-measured, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh cuts out stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you enjoy the cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. HelloFresh's fresh ingredients are sourced directly from growers, delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week, contact-free, of course. Over four in five HelloFresh customers See, Hello Fresh helps them lead a healthier lifestyle with delicious, low calorie, carb smart, and vegetarian options available each week that can be made vegan in a twinkle. I've had them. They're really great. How are you doing with Hello Fresh there, good.:
1: You know what? My daughter made dinner last night a uh, spinach ravioli with uh, a creamy lemon sauce. Fantastic. And my daughter did it.
0: And she did it all with Hello Fresh?
1: All whole, all fresh, all delicious. Really great. The produce is good. The food is good. Great.
0: There's no waste. It's environmentally much more sound than you think. It's more sound than going to a supermarket. It's really, really well done. So check it out. Check it out. Cooking with your family becomes fabulous. It's quick. It's easy. And it's real. Real, real food. Real good food. Go to HelloFresh.com slash PSS12 and use the code pss 12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. You're on your honor here not to put it in PSS 13 or PSS 14 and get <laughs> more free meals. Go to HelloFresh.com slash PSS 12 and use the code PSS 12 and even dozen of meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh.com PSS 12. It's a, it's a really, really great, America's number one meal kit it's a really fabulous thing really really good good food speaking of food you know Goudot offered to take me out to the Colorado river
2: and go meal panning (laughs) uh how you been doing without a car ready rich i've been walking several hours every day and i'm start starting to love it (laughs) where do you walk to the grocery store or the drug store
0: and how far away is the grocery store
2: my shortest walk is half an hour either way, and I do them at night because it's the desert, and I don't want the sun beating down on me. We talked about my first trip. I, I went to a Target and bought a really heavy item and gave up walking back. <laughs> so my second trip, I learned my lesson and took a cart with me, a luggage cart with the elastic straps on it. And uh, that trip, I learned that most of my route to the grocery store is not paved. No sidewalk. <laughs> and luggage carts don't like gravel. <laughs> so the uh, the bags of groceries would fire out the elastic <laughs> as soon as I got to a, any sort of decent tempo. So I walked the entire route like Tim Conway.
4: <laughs>
2: That's a topical reference, right? <laughs> <laughs> right on it. <laughs> I should have gone with uh, uh, Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yep.
3: I, I'm pretty sure this story ends with you buying a mule, right? That you now own a mule? <laughs>
2: Well, the, the third trip, I am the mule. I brought a box. So the box holds everything on the cart, and the elastic holds the box on the cart, and nothing fires out. Mm. But the, the, uh, now the big problem is that there's a, uh, there's a mountain lion. <laughs> we,
1: we've had an ongoing mountain lion problem here in Vegas currently.
2: <laughs> Regularly sighted in the, in the residential area in the Southwest Valley where I live. Don't worry, Reddy.
3: They only attack the most vulnerable of animals.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And they would only eat you if you had a side of lettuce in a bag next to you.
2: (laughs) So they actually caught it the other day, and I was celebrating until I read the article, and three lines later, they say that they let it go.
3: Oh, because it it asked for a lawyer? (laughs) (laughs) They had to. They let him
1: go at Penn's house. (laughs)
0: So, has this been helping your health, walking that much? Probably. I don't know. (laughs) I gave up yesterday.
2: Yesterday was the first day that I didn't walk two hours or more Mm. because my mom acquired a new computer, and I was too busy figuring out how to kill myself.
0: (laughs) 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 That story tells itself, correct? Yeah. (laughs) So, what was on? uh, What was on?
3: What was on Fool You had on your... Uh, do, you, do you know Bill Goodwin, the librarian at the Magic Castle? Yeah, but not well. Okay, so he came on, did this really kind of cool trick where... Just with cards, but he had the nine and the four card. And so they were... Usually nine minus four is five, so they were, he just spread it. And they were five five apart. The nine plus four is 13. He spread it. It was, it was 13 cards apart. Multiplied it. They were 36 apart. And that then... That's a really good trick. It was... Really, super slick, a really slick trick, and had a bunch of good math agreements which you love. I couldn't even understand the last one that got me to forty nine, but it got there, (laughs) and uh, and they're sure enough they're forty nine cards apart. Same deck in his hand the whole time, just putting together and spreading them. was really neat.
0: Did that fool us? I forgot.
3: It did not. It did not. Um, I don't know if you got fooled. Oh, you did get. Well, yes, you got. You gave out one foolish trophy on this episode. We had Nathaniel Siegel. Came on, and he had like a number square on one hand, and kind of like a, a weird grid on the other, and ended up going through. hit Allison say stop when he was using a number clicker, and then the number that she stopped on, he did a full magic square with that number that Allison stopped on. Then uh, that turned out took the grid and took glass off of the grid and put it sideways, and it was all the numbers from the first grid predicted in the second grid. And he flipped it over, and the grid spelled "foolish" on the second grid as well.
0: Right. Yep. Pretty slick. Very, very mathy day. Very mathy day. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot.
3: For anyone who had the, suffered at this part of the SAT, this was not your episode. <laughs> Ryan Hi- Hayashi came on with his son, Johnny.
0: Oh, yeah. I love them. I love them.
3: Yeah. Remote from Germany. And
0: they were the first thing we recorded.
3: Yes. That's right. Good memory. Yeah. So it's the first remote we did. So I was going to say is that Ryan and, and Johnny did a great job, and the energy was super high. And they were waiting around for a long time because they were the first ones <laughs> to do a remote with us uh, for their interview. But uh, really cool stuff with cups and balls to, again, four-handed magic. So yep, totally, really fun uh, routine of doing uh, cups and balls um, with a lot of different kickers, uh, including producing five ball bearings that don't even fit in the cup on top of the cups at the end. Yeah. Really slick, really slick and stuff. And the
0: four-handed stuff, you know, when we do it, I like it. When other people do it, it's like, boy, that's hard to bust.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I know. That was a tough one. That was a tough one. Uh, but really fun energy. And Ryan's got such great stylized energy. It's really nice. But most importantly, let's get to it. Your buddy Hondro came on with one of the silliest tricks I've ever
0: seen. <laughs> Hondro, I, you know, he's become... Such, such a good friend. You know, we talk Spanish every week for 90 minutes minimum. Yeah. And uh he's gotten to be the person I talk to the most every week. Yeah. I I just love it. And uh I loved him every time he came on fool us. We've gotten very close since then. He wrote this trick just to make fun of his accent.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, because he did a card. Trick instead of a card trick,
0: right? And I heard him do a lecture in Spanish. Yeah, about creativity. Yeah, and he said, "I know I have a heavy Spanish accent." He said this all in Spanish. So when I say card trick, the card trick, the D and the T are not clear. So it always sounds like I'm saying card trick. So I said I'm going to do a card trick for Penn and Teller, and he said from that one joke came that whole bit that I did. <laughs>
3: it was really great. I mean, it's really well written. He's just such a pro, and he's a pro at TV magic, which is such a different deal. So it starts off with him in his study, and then he rips it down. And he goes, all right, there. I'm not even in, in my library. I'm in the middle of nowhere. So I fooled you once already. The camera that you're looking at is not being held by a guy. It's a drone. See, and then the drone f- takes off, and he's like, so I've already fooled you twice already. And <laughs> <laughs> I know when I said I was going to do a card trick, I meant a car trick. C-A-R. And it was just this really great, smooth routine. Um, but yeah, he sent you guys wrote down a three-digit number, sealed it, and sent it to him, all duct-taped and autographed. And he opened it for the first time and revealed the number, then got on this tiny, adorable car and ran it into a series of gigantic dominoes. And then the dominoes revealed the words from the helicopter view. One. Uh, the drone view. The drone view. I'm an idiot. And, uh, and it spelled out a, a joke about his own, his, uh, I bet the number is this number. Wait, no, that's my favorite number. Your favorite number is, and he had the number correct on the- And he had a lot
0: of like six foot dominoes set up in a field.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and he just ran into the, the four rows. He ran into four dominoes, create four cascading effects, spell this beautiful effect from a drone shot. I mean, just perfect use of like, Doing, you know, the show, the season, highlighting remotes, doing remotes, uh, to do something that big and that silly, I was just like aching with jealousy. I just loved how big and silly it was.
0: Andro is not afraid to work. Have you noticed that? No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly,
3: exactly. And he, and it was uh, and it was really well done. I could predict it, and, th- and then you uh, you gave him his third foolish trophy.
0: He just whenever he wants to c- pick one up, he just can't. <laughs> Well, the fun bit, you didn't
3: get to see this because we don't, we, don't, we don't often roll the packages in live. But the footage was of him talking about how he fooled you once, and he was using his Foolish Trophy to like brush his teeth and like eat dinner. And then, he's like, <laughs> then, I, then he realized he needed a second one, so it cut to him playing ping pong with someone with the two Foolish Trophies. <laughs> and then he's hanging his towels after getting out of the pool, and he takes off like, his robe and whatever, and he hangs his shirt, robe, and then his towel. He has no third hook for his towel. And so that's why he decided to come back on Foolus was to get a third trophy to, <laughs> to hang his
0: towel. <laughs> just,
3: just really clever through and through. Outstanding stuff.
0: And then the finish, yeah, was featuring Moxie Gillette. That's right, Moxie Gillette dressed as Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, in a bit that I think everyone believed. Everyone believed that that was really. A prop of Teller's when he was a child.
3: Yes. Yeah. Because there's no story of commitment to, to magic that people will disbelieve about Teller.
0: Right. <laughs> and Teller did write the poem. Okay. Although he wrote it six months ago and not 50 years ago. Right. And it uh, really isn't his style. You know, we looked at his notebooks and really got it from there. And uh, that prop is beautiful. Yes. I mean, Moxie comes out of nowhere.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really impressive. So. And
0: we used Moxie because this was heavily during lockdown, and Moxie was in our bubble. Yeah. So I don't know if we would have used Moxie if we had someone else for a choice, but um, I think Mox did a great, 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 great job.
3: It also was uh, the last thing we shot for the season was that, yeah. that hunk. And it was really kind of nice to and Emily and Moxie came in and they were tested up, or whatever. And so it was like a neat, a neat little brief expansion of your bubble there at the end. And it was neat to end the season. And then, uh, and also, uh, it was the end of the season. So Teller, I think, made sure you guys shot that bit like seven or eight times, which is a lot for fool us. <laughs> <laughs> Teller guys little... did not want it to end. <laughs> he did not. He really kept going for more and just watching playback play back. And it was. It was really kind of nice, and uh, uh, it was it was great. And I'll tell you uh, this, and and talking about it now, which is really wonderful, is that I remember sitting there because you guys were running through it a lot. So I sat in the Penn and Teller seats, watching you guys do the do this taping thing, and I was like, "Oh, I'm in the Penn and Teller theater. I'm looking at Penn and Teller in the back of the chairs, and I looked up from the uh, looked up into the rafters above you guys and saw." the apron of the Penn and Teller curtain up there in the theater. And I began to get very emotional because it was so awesome to be in that theater. But then I looked up and was like, wow, are we still so far away from that curtain coming down for a live audience? And it just was like this, this season of Fool Us in the Bubble was like this great kind of like brief respite from the weight of what the pandemic was doing, you know? And so when I saw this bit come on now with the news of you guys returning on April 22nd, I was really emotional again watching that bit uh, last night.
0: You know, I said this to Teller. I might have said this last week too, but uh, I'm terrified of the show we're doing. Terrified. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you, we're doing six new tricks and we don't remember the old tricks. It's a whole new setup. And I'm feeling this nauseated terror that we're going to fail. And I can't tell you how I cherish that feeling. Right. You know, for more than a year, and in some ways for four years, I've been feeling existential terror and fear about things that really matter. To be scared about a stupid magic show is, I can't think (laughs) of a more glorious feeling. I'm picturing... Being backstage with Jonesy playing the music as I walk out, knowing I got a lot of bits in the show I don't know, the feeling of being nauseated, terrified, flop sweating. Oh, do I look forward to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's a luxury. That's a luxury. Yeah. Instead
0: have- of worrying that everybody on earth is going to die.
1: Yeah.
3: yeah.
0: Yeah. And that we have a madman as president. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: It is nice.
0: So, what do you guys got coming up? April 22nd, I'm doing a show. Mm-hmm, yeah. Goodell, <laughs> you know, when's your first show? Yeah, I told you, yeah,
1: June 21st, Lubbock, Texas. See you folks there.
3: <laughs> May 5th, I'll be actually doing a, a week at Mystique Dining in Folsom, California. Uh, it's a dinner theater thing. It seats about 10. I'm excited because it's such a small audience to fail in front of uh, for my first show. So, I'm very excited <laughs> about that because I get the rust off of a lot of stuff uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> the, the, the lead butler is an exceptional magician so I know if anything goes wrong I can just pull him on and just be like, finish Steve go for it give him
0: what they want and <laughs> ready you have any plans of getting a car or you're just going to keep walking
2: I'm looking at going to see Brood X while you're shooting Fool Us
0: what's Brute X
2: the 17 uh, year swarm of cicadas in the midwest (laughs) oh yes which came out the year i graduated high school and then the year i graduated college
0: oh wow and the year you graduated from the pandemic (laughs) it took you 17 years to
1: get through college
2: (laughs) i had a dj career in the interim
1: okay all right that's great those are great numbers then
0: (laughs) yeah exactly we've done uh When the cicadas came, we go on TV, and there was a cooking show that showed how to cook up Mm -hmm. cicadas. Yeah, and Teller was chowing them down on TV. (laughs)
3: You
0: always count on Teller.
3: Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) So uh, we'll be in the world soon. Yeah. Did you uh, Did you go out into the world at all yet, Matt? I did. So we went to uh, visit my uh,
3: my mother in law and. it was so funny because I you know, my, woke up, my kid was feeling a little sick or whatever, and we were supposed to try to go out to the beach. And all of a sudden, we said, well, maybe we shouldn't go to the beach. And both kids were like, no, I want to go to the beach. <laughs> and I was like, first off, my kids never agree on any activity whatsoever. And then, and then we were like, you're sick. It will, it's LA, so it'll take us an hour and a half in traffic and even more traffic coming back. So we're going to spend probably four hours in the car to spend an hour and a half at the beach. And they were like, in. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I was like, you hate traffic. You complain anytime there's any traffic. You sure you want to commit to this? And are like, yes. And I was like, so, oh, I was like, the, the, the family party pooper thing is still happening. I'm the party pooper. I'm the one in the way of this happening. So let's go to the beach. And uh, we went to the beach and it, in Santa Monica, right outside of Santa Monica Pier, mm-hmm. it was weird to see, you know, like the, the, the Ferris wheel's idol and the beach wasn't crowded, uh, but we masked up up until we found a little spot on the beach and then took off our masks for an hour and a half, and the water was freezing, and both of my kids went right in it and were swimming in the ocean, yelling for daddy to come in, and I went in about shin deep and informed my children how crazy they were, and uh, then an ice cream person came by, we masked back up, and then I ended up spending fucking $15 on two things of ice cream. Welcome back to the real fucking world. <laughs> and, uh, and for an hour and a half, it felt very, very normal on the beach, and it was awesome.
1: That's my good dad advice. Get a wetsuit. You'll be the only dad in the ocean with the kids. <laughs> like One piece of a dad advice. Get a wet That's dude. good dad
2: <laughs> advice. That is really good dad advice.
3: <laughs>
2: you know, we like to make jokes about Jonesy being more bitter than 97% dark chocolate in coffee grounds. We don't talk a lot about Matt suppressing rage. And I'm curious what hour seven. <laughs> what exactly is going through your head on that trip over the Cajon Pass on the way back? <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Jesus. <geez>. My kids <laughs> definitely learned every curse word from me driving in a car.
0: <laughs> okay, guys. I uh, want to remind you again, Sideshow Gelato. You want to spend 15 bucks on ice cream, get the best in the world. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Do it right. Do it right. Get Sideshow Gelato. And that was Bed Sunday School. <laughs> that
4: was Bed Sunday School. Cha, cha, cha. And
0: to our listening, needs you become naked. It would be weird to sell this autograph collection. I hope someone wants to buy it all together. That would be nice if it just existed somewhere.
3: You know, we love you. What do you got, Matt Donnelly? All right. These are the following people that could start the bidding war for Sam Gillette's autograph collection. Winter Ryakowski, Aaron Malo, Michael Torbay, Allison Sage, Jason Filippo, Central Park Owl, Michelle Yeiser, Kelly M, Jim the 20-Year Naked Magician, Danny Olwine, Jeremy Davidson, Kelsey Johnson, Carlos Alvarez, Crazy Cat Lady Scoop, David, Doug Hirschberger, Dr. Scoop Little, Eric Doble, Fractured Adventures, Grace. Jacob McPully, Jamie Thrasher, Jake Schneider, Jeff Baker, Jeremy R22, Jesse Miller, Joseph Mastrangelo, Kelly Reeves, Larry Hess, Leah B., and uh, making relevant jokes two months late, but I'll have the soup, Kirill (laughs) Varshavsky. Okay,
0: thank you.